Y'all, I hope you're ready for a lot of yalling up in this episode. Talk with one of my favorite people in the world, not just creator, not just because she's a badass woman, but because I have the funniest story for how I met her. Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with vidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos and YouTube reach by studying titles, description, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. What's up, ladies? Welcome to an episode of the Women of YouTube podcast. I am so pumped to be with you today. Today, I'm talking with the illustrious, the fabulous, the wonderful, the hilarious Jessica Stansberry. Jessica Stansberry is an amazing creator helping you figure out how to grow a business all on your own with residual income, no matter where you are or what you do. Her content is all about really helping you narrow in on what you want to do and how to reach your goals that you want. Now, I know Jessica because we went to this party. She showed up late and we had to go back to the hotel and she needed an Uber. And I was like, well, you know, I'm here to network and meet people. Why don't you Uber back with me to our hotel? And while we Ubered back, she gave me a YouTube channel review. Now this was back in like 2018. I like had just hit a thousand subscribers and she gave me some really great advice that I used and ultimately though removed from my channel, which was I had this video series I was doing, but I only posted one day out of the month. It was called military marketing Mondays. And I was only doing it like one Monday of the whole month. And she was like, girl, either drop it or do it every week. That's killing your retention and your views and YouTube's confused and it's just throwing everything off. So you either need to commit or get off the pot. And I was like, all right. So I went back home and I made it into a series. Now, ultimately I ended up removing the series from my channel because it had nothing to do with my target demo, but it was just really great advice. And at the time, you know, Jessica, I think was at like, I want to say like, 7,000, 10,000 subscribers. And now this girl has just been killing it with what she's doing by being super relatable and super bubbly and super killer with her keywords and has just hit over 100,000 subscribers. I just adore this woman to pieces. And I think after our talk today, you are going to as well. Now, before we dive into this, I'm here to give you a little bit of YouTube Info, tips, tricks to make your life a little bit better. Now, YouTube has released a feature um, a few weeks ago from when I recorded this, but I think it's really important for us to talk about this. If you go into your studio, hit analytics, and then you're going to go into your audience tab, you're going to see something very cool. You're going to see like a graph and it's going to have two lines. It's going to have a blue line and a purple line. Now what this blue line and purple line is going to show you is returning viewers and your new viewers. Now the 
overall theme is that you want these two lines to be as close together as possible. This means that not only are you getting new viewers to your channel, but also your returning viewers are coming back and watching your content. Now, this isn't going to be like the Bible or the law for you for this. Like, I don't want you to think that if you don't do this, then and your numbers aren't great and your lines aren't close together, that you're a failure. No. In fact, if you were to look at mine, you'd be like, Girl, Desiree, get your life together because my gap between my two lines is really big because I'm a resource channel. I get a lot of people that just come to my channel to like get a problem solved and then they peace out. But I do know that I am getting like a solid probably like 10% return on to my videos, which makes me feel like really good about my audience and that 10% of the people that have watched my content have come back to get more for me. And that's why I think it's important to have other ways to communicate with your audience, like taking them to like Instagram or Facebook, wherever you have a community and or my favorite one, which is put them on an email list. But I want to share this with you because it's going to allow for you to see like, okay, what can I do to create better content that people are going to keep coming back for. And if you keep scrolling through your analytics, of course, you're going to see like your top performing uh, keywords. You're going to see like your best times of day to post. You're going to see other channels that your viewers watch that are similar to yours and like how like it, your videos are suggested on theirs and vice versa. So really dig into this and let this feature on YouTube be really helpful for you so you can know what is or is not working for you on YouTube. All right, let's dive in to this conversation that I had with Jessica that I think you're going to really love and I hope that you get as much out of it as I had as much fun talking with her. You have been one of those people I've been trying to get on this podcast for forever. And I don't think it's because I've been like, like you've been like too busy. I don't think I like, I was like, I need to have the right time to ask. Like when is the perfect time to get Jessica on the podcast? And this was like, like now, now is the time that she's like, it, it seemed like the right time to do it. So welcome Jessica. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah. It's not because you like have like been begging me or anything. No, it's not like you like were like ignoring me or not wanting to talk to me. It was literally just like, it's not, it's not time yet. <laughs> yet right like, I feel like you needed a lot of setup <laughs> hey I'm good with that I'm totally good with that she's had a lot of really great opening acts and now she's ready for her debut all right <laughs> all right Jessica <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna be an episode guys I hope you're ready <laughs> so you got two extroverts who are really loud that talk a lot yes up in your ears so just be ready yeah <laughs> okay Jessica why YouTube Ooh, okay. So for me, YouTube started as a an outlet for my business, like as an asset for my business. Um, so essentially, where I think a lot of people start on YouTube to be a YouTuber, I started because I saw the SEO benefits of possibly putting a YouTube video with a pod or a blog post, podcast episode, whatever. And so essentially for me, it started as just like an asset to my business as a way to grow my brand, as a way to, you know, get my blog post found. But as I grew or, and not even as I grew, but I started putting these videos up on the internet and, you know, doing the YouTube things, but I wasn't even paying attention to YouTube as a platform. And then one day I turned around like six months later and I had like 500 subscribers and I hadn't even tried to get them. And so I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, if I can get 500 subscribers 
barely putting a few videos out per month or whatever, and not really even trying to get subscribers, then what can I do if I actually try? And so that's when I kind of transitioned more into taking on like the YouTuber role. And yeah, that's how we landed here. <laughs> Okay, so because you did this for business, I'm going to lead in with my big question, which is like, okay, talk to me about how you have built a business with YouTube as the central focus. And maybe even kind of, let's break this down into like three parts. Like what was like in the beginning? What was like in the middle? And tell us like where you are now. Yeah. So essentially in the beginning, I had the business before the YouTube channel. And I think that's always important, like, to know, you know, is like, I had the, I had the business first and the YouTube channel was more about being an asset. And so, um, essentially then what happened is I saw the power, right? Like I said, I saw the power in everything I was doing and I was like, okay, now I'm going to intertwine it with my business. So it was kind of just going to be like a random thing. And now it's like, Ooh, how can I like intertwine this with my business. So I sell courses, I do online trainings, I sell digital products. And so YouTube is essentially now the strategy is, you know, let, how can we build an audience over here and then get them into my ecosystem? And then once in my ecosystem, we sell to them. And so that has always been kind of the strategy since I've figured it out that that's what I should be doing. Um, and so it's, you know, how can I attract people? How can I put out videos that people want to watch? Then once I get them there, how do I get them to that next step? How do I get them to want more? How do I get them to buy my courses or whatever? Um, and for some people, they never buy that. And that's totally fine. I'm here for the community, you know? And then for some people, they're literally searching the internet for the things I do, right? And so it's a really easy transition for them to be like, oh, I found this girl on YouTube and she has a YouTube course, or I found this girl on YouTube and this happened. And, and then they purchase and we're BFFs from then on out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think all that is like, couldn't be true, right? I, I feel like at some point in this conversation, we need to talk about how Jessica and I met. But yes. what I love, about, <laughs> it's funny, but what I love about what you do is like, you have like, and I think for me, it's very much like, like you're who I want to be at a hundred thousand subscribers. Um, because it's one of those situations that I love that you had a service-based business where you designed websites and you, you found a way to solve people's problems and then it converted into, you know, Oh, we're doing, I'm doing this now. I figured affiliate marketing and I'm doing these digital products and I have these courses and stuff. And now I no longer do website design because you put a different, like you realize that you could make like quadruple 10 times what you were making with, mm -hmm. with YouTube or with a website design, but also, website design is a fantastic time suck because it's a lot of yes. work and you have to like accommodate other people and it's a whole thing. Yeah. And now, okay. So now, so since you've recently hit a hundred thousand subscribers, mm -hmm. you have the, a killer podcast that I love called uh, passive income playbook that I love listening to. It's really great for people trying to figure out how that whole journey works. You'd have just gotten a studio in your small town, all of these things. So what is business like for you now and where are you taking it? Yeah. So first I just renamed the podcast. I did it quietly. It's just the Hey Jessica podcast now. Oh, um, okay. You could probably still find it under passive income playbook. Cause I think one of the episodes was that, but essentially it was, it was one of those things where I felt restricted 
and I didn't like feeling restricted talking only about passive income. So um, yeah, I just changed it. Um, but essentially, yeah, my business now is very much so the one to many model, the, you know, teaching the courses and really going out and reaching the masses as much as I possibly can, whether that person needs a freebie that I can give them and then they can get on my email list or whether they need a thousand dollar course about YouTube. Like I can meet everybody wherever they need to be. And for me personally, I was good at web design and I, you know, it was like an okay thing to do. Um, but I, it sucked my soul out of my body. You know, it just like was not what I was put on this earth to do, you know? And so Yeah, like I'm in the one-to-many model now. And like you say, I just got a new studio, which I am not in today because hashtag snow, hashtag COVID and virtual school. Um, (laughs) But essentially the reason for that is because as I move forward, you, okay. So YouTube has always been a piece of the pie, right? It's always like of the whole pie, YouTube has always been a piece and it's always been a fairly small piece. It's just a way for me to get my content out. But going forward, I really wanting to focus more on it being a bigger slice of the pie. I make more from YouTube ads than I did in my corporate job, which is insane. Um, And it's always like, what? How does that even happen? You know, and, you know, how can I double down on that? How can I, you know, make sure I'm increasing that every year? How can I make sure that, you know, I'm doing better each time I put up a video? And really honing my craft and my skill as a YouTuber is only going to grow my business just the same, right? And so for me going forward, one of my big goals is to just sit like, like sink into that seat as a YouTuber, right? And still teaching and talking about the same things. It's just that, um, you know, taking into taking my production quality up a little bit, taking my setting up a little bit, like different things that are just going to escalate and take me to the next level. Um, but also I recently hired my first full-time employee back in the summer. You and I have talked about that. Um, and she's amazing, but she's a recent college graduate and was working out of her parents' bed or her bedroom at her parents' house. <laughs> and um, thankfully I live in a really small town and rent is fairly cheap here <laughs> for things. And so um, I found an office space that was like, magical, exactly what I wanted. And, um, it was huge and I was like, okay, let's do it. And so essentially it was a place to give her a place to work. I have a filming studio area, um, in it. And then the rest of it's wide open with like couches and things like that. We're adding to it constantly, but I have big visions of like hosting local classes, even flying people in doing like consulting days obviously after COVID, but I don't know that after COVID is even a thing. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I feel like it's never going to end, but forever disease. Oh my gosh. It's the disease that goes on forever and ever. And we literally never go back to normal. I don't, I don't know what that, what that point is, but essentially going forward, it's just really scaling up the things I've been doing and really, like I say, sitting in that seat and sinking into the fact that I'm a YouTuber. And like, that is something I have to do. And I want, I love it. Like that is, I love it so much. And so really sinking into that more so than just using it as like a piece of the pie. Things are getting really good here, but let's take a quick break from a word from our sponsors.
Um, and I remember my dad stopped me that day and he said, here, we're gonna just sit down on this bench and we're just gonna people watch. And I was like five, six years old. I didn't even know what people watching was, but my dad told me, he's like, if you sit long enough, you start to realize that people are very fascinating how they interact with each other, how they dress, just what they're doing in general, but it takes you slowing down and actually paying attention for you to start to notice those things. And ever since he told me that, kind of like I started to use that curiosity as a way for me to slow down intentionally, like slow down and kind of like really start to pay attention to all the little things that would start to stand out to me about like a potentially boring scene that's in front of me. But it starts to become lively because I slow down and let that curiosity run its course. You just heard a teaser from the awesome new podcast, The Video Craft Show. The Video Craft Show is a weekly video podcast about the craft and business of content creation. Whether you're an aspiring creative or established video veteran, this show is here to inspire you and help you along your journey. This podcast is actually hosted by John Santiago as he interviews makers and creators about their stages and stories about building their own audience through video. This podcast actually came out brand making new on January 19th of 2021, and I cannot love this podcast more. So if you are looking for more stories and more ways to be a better creator and business owner, this is definitely the podcast that you are going to want to check out. You can find them at thevideocraftshow.com or you can find more information about them and this super awesome new podcast on our show notes at womenofyoutube.com. All right, back to the interview. I, I love that you talk about with like sinking into being a YouTuber. Like you have evolved and changed from this one thing of being a web, this web designer into being a YouTuber. And I think that's one of those things that people just go into YouTube hoping to be a YouTuber. Um, and I think really is specifically around things that are not like problem solving based. So I think really anything like in entertainment, anything that's in like vlogging, anything that's in like food, all that kind of stuff. Like it's mostly that those are very like labor intensive, visually intensive, um, we all have like a really high expectation of what that content needs to be, I think, as consumers. So when you're in like our position where we're service-based businesses, it's a totally different thing. So with that, what advice do you have to those that are not in the problem-solving service-based like vertical? What, what do you say to them to help them through their YouTube journey? Like how do you how do they specifically have success? Yeah. So my husband has recently started a farming channel. It's actually a channel we started a few years ago and we just randomly put videos on and he has started making sure that he's consistent there. Um, so my husband does not do a service. Like my husband literally is just a like, follow me around the farm kind of channel. He will eventually have like some farm to table things to take advantage of, but for, so he's he's in that, right? Like he wants to be a YouTuber in this space that has no service to like throw behind it or no like helpful content. Not that he couldn't be helpful. Um, You know, one of his most popular videos is like how to get rid of pink eye and sheep or some ridiculous thing that people search for. <laughs> but essentially, I would tell them the same thing I tell him. And I actually just had a YouTube video go live about this. But essentially, the algorithm is you know, making sure your content is found, making sure people click on it and making sure people watch it. 
right? Like that's it in its most simplest form. And so to really excel on the platform, regardless of your industry, regardless of your niche, regardless of your whatever, is to create really solid content that somebody on the platform wants to watch and continue to do that over and over and over again. And the the algorithm will reward you for that. And they'll say, okay, you know, you're right. Like this is good content and, and good content is subjective, right? And I think that's where we get into it like a hard, like, what does that mean? Um, and I have, you and I both, I'm sure, have seen channels who do super well in like their video quality is really not the best or, you know, they do really well and it's not really what we'd watch, but somebody is, you know, <laughs> like, okay, we've all seen that. And so it's really subjective in the eyes of who you want to watch you. So more than anything, figuring out who that is, figuring out your niche, figuring out your ideal viewer. Who is that? Who's going to love your content? Who's going to need your content? Who's going to want to sit for hours and watch your content, create quality content that they want to watch and you win the game. Yeah. Okay. So then I have to, I have a counter question that goes with this. Yeah. So, so many of so many people that come into like the entertainment, the vlogging, the non-problem solving service-based YouTube game, they're seeing what successful, like I've reached, I've reached the top. I can do what I want area. Oh, even yeah. people, and I'm not even talking like if we're talking food, like not even like you're binging with babishes or your, you know, your big fancy beauty bloggers and stuff like that. I'm talking, even if you look at people that are somewhere like over 50,000 or a hundred thousand subscribers, like even if that is their comparison, they're still creating content that like rivals or matches that. And I think that one of the things that I know I would do if I was in there, she was like, okay, well, they're talking about this and they have my audience. So I'm going to make a video kind of like that, hoping to quote unquote, like fame hack it or whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't have the same level of, of success because maybe my title isn't right. Or maybe my thumbnail isn't right. Like how, how does someone starting out when someone who is not in an, like a high growth place, how do they you know, solve that problem? Like, how do they get the the keywords, the titles, the thumbnail part right yeah. in those beginning growing places? Yeah, though, it's such a good question. And my biggest, like my one, my one liner here is don't get too big for your britches. So essentially, YouTube is built on keywords, right? And so if, you know, this big beauty blogger is showing up for a keyword, and let's say they're showing up for like, I don't know how to do, I don't know, what what do beauty bloggers talk about? How to curl your hair. Let's go with that. So let's say they they literally are showing up for like how to curl your hair with a straightener. Like that that sounds like a good topic, doesn't it? Uh, How to curl your hair with a straightener. But if you look at the analytics behind that keyword, you may see that that keyword is searched like 100,000 times a month or whatever. Well, baby YouTuber over here is never going to be found for something that's searched 100,000 times a month because the big guys are already doing that. So you have to manage your expectations and not get too big for your britches. So that's where you say, okay, well, how can I do that same topic? Because I know it obviously does well, but do it in a way where I'm going after a keyword that I can actually rank for, a keyword that I can actually show up for. and. Takes digging into analytics. It takes digging into, you know, um, Google search terms and things like that. I love, there's a tool called Keywords Everywhere. 
that I love. Um, it's just a Chrome extension. And I use TubeBuddy and everything else on the back end. But when you're doing the research, sometimes you just need to go to the source, you know? And so, yeah, it's like Google. What does Google say about this? And so I go to Google and I can say, oh, this key term is searched, you know, 200,000 times a month or 50,000 times a month. And if you're a baby YouTuber, you're never going to be found for that. So what key terms can you build off of that that you can be found for that maybe are only searched 2,000 times a month or 1,000 times a month or 5,000? Because you're going to have way less competition going after those than you are after these massive key terms that the big dogs have already went after. So you can still do that and, and trend hack that as much as possible but doing it in a really smart strategic way based on the size of your channel. And something that I talk about too, which you were talking about um, is trend hacking. That's what I've just decided to call it. Um, and essentially it's like, you know, if someone in your industry does a video about this, then, and you're like, oh, well I could create a video about that. And you go out and you do a video about that and their video takes off if you're positioned correctly, yours is going to too. That's why we see so many people who, like in my industry, like, oh, how much money did YouTube pay me in 2020? Like how many people did those videos? Like 10,000 million people, you, you know? those videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people did them. And so the reason though was because if they're gonna do well for one person, they're gonna do well for a bunch of people yeah. because you, those people are not just satisfied. The people who watch that are not just immediately now satisfied with what one person made on in 2020. They want to know more. But the thing again is, if I have a channel that's got five subscribers or a hundred subscribers or, you know, whatever, and I'm trying to trend hack someone with a hundred thousand subscribers, it's never going to happen. There's too many people in the middle who are able to do it and I'm going to get kicked out back here. So essentially I need to say, well, how can I trend hack somebody with 10,000 subscribers? Or how can I trend hack somebody with 5,000? Like what are they doing that I could make my own version of and really ride the wave of their success? So don't get too big for your bridges. Like understand what the big guys are doing and take it down a level, <laughs> especially when you're brand new. You're never going to be able to rank for those things and you have to come to terms with that and be okay with working your way up to being able to rank for those things. So what about getting really specific and focusing? So let's use this hair example. Sure. We recently had an awesome guest on the podcast named Latoya Ebony, and she does um, hair care mm -hmm. for um, colored women, very specifically around C4 curl level hair, which is like a really tight curl yeah. style. And obviously, she's picked a very specific demographic, even within her demographic. Right. And she has found lots of success. I think she's at like over 250,000 subscribers right now. And obviously, that, that kind of thing works. What are your praises and cautions around being niche? Yeah. Make sure you don't niche yourself out of a job, right? I think that can be so many people are like, niche down, niche down. And you absolutely should. And I will advocate for that every day, all day long. However, if you're like, I want to be a cooking channel, which is a little too broad. And so to niche down, you're like, I want to be a cooking channel who teaches people only how to cook with breadcrumbs. There's probably not a market for that. You know, so, really like, yeah. <laughs> so like 
like you want to, the thing is you have to do an evaluation of the market. She obviously knew that that market was under um, served and underutilized. And so she was able to say, hey, I'm, I can jump in here and fill this seat. But if you are just picking something out of thin air, then it's probably not going to work anyway. So I think there's like a, there's a good balance of like being niched enough, but not so much that you're going to one, run out of things to talk about, or two, not have that many people who want to see what you're doing. Um, I had a client a few years ago who had a very niche business. She taught and she still does. She teaches people how to run successful wedding venues, right? This is like a teeny tiny niche. But she had a massive business around teaching it, whether she was consulting or teaching a course or whatever. However, the niche was tiny. So for me to throw her into YouTube literally with that niche probably wouldn't be super smart. So we held back on that strategy because while I love YouTube, how many people actually want to own a wedding venue? It's, it's not that many people. And yes, eventually that might be part of the strategy, but she would have been disappointed with the effort that she put in and the payback she got out. So it's really just this fine dance of figuring out where you can fit perfectly that you can, you can rank, you can do the things, you can be the person, but you're not so niche that nobody gives a flying fart what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, so now that we're talking about niches, niches, oh, I yeah. think that one of the things that's fantastic about your journey is that you are very open about how you're figuring it out. Yep. And like for like we like we just talked about earlier, like she had a podcast and she changed it, and that was like this is the third change of her podcast because yep. it used to be called Grit, which I personally think you never should have left. But yeah, <laughs> Grit, and then the the passive income, and now you just say Jessica, and it makes sense from a branding standpoint. I totally get like that leap from a business standpoint and a branding standpoint. But you've been really transparent with your audience along the way about like I'm still just figuring it out. I'm still just mm -hmm. figuring it out, and I I would I think that's just really important. I think there's just so much. Like it's it's all hard. Business is hard. YouTube yeah. is harder. You know. It's trying to figure out who we're talking to and, and who we serve best is hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and who we don't serve, I think, is also just as valuable to know as well. Talk, tell us about it. Like, what, yeah. how would you comfort somebody through their struggle of figuring it out? Because, like you just said, if you know, you can get like specific enough, but like broad enough, you're golden and the money rolls and the subs come and all the things, but yeah. it's getting there. Yeah. That's the, that's what is it? Like chasing the dragon. Like how Desiree's doing drugs in her closet over here. <laughs> Desiree, she's chasing the dragon, guys. The dragon. This is, I'm a nerd. These are the kind of phrases that we use in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, my closet, my office. So she's teasing me because I just reconstructed my first my home office into a closet. I love it. I love it. You don't know what's behind that door. Um, <laughs> so, so essentially, first of all, I have always been really open with it. And I think that, and I get so many people who are like, thank you, because I feel crazy. I feel, I feel like I can't settle down. I feel like I can't figure this out. And I feel like every change I make, 
people look at me funny and people totally look at me funny and that's okay. I don't care if it works for me and it works for my audience. That's what's important. And that's something I, I have always done. I don't just change because I want to. It always comes from understanding my audience better, understanding what they need from me, understanding that, you know, sure, they loved passive income, but that wasn't the thing they really wanted from me. And, you know, understanding that this is what they need from me, that this is the things they want me to teach, that these are the topics they want me to cover, not just what I want to do. And I think that's really where it starts. And have I been criticized? Absolutely. Um, a few years ago, someone literally was like mad at me um, in our industry and was like, yeah, you have a reputation for, you know, not like changing around all the time. And I was like, good. That means I'm following what my audience wants me to do. And it has always been successful for me. Now, if I was jumping from like teaching YouTube strategy to like teaching you how to grow tomatoes, yeah, that's a very big jump, right? Like, but I'm staying in, I'm staying in my my bubble. I'm staying in this entrepreneur world, in this, you know, creator space. It's just a matter of exactly which niched path I want to be down. So one, do it because your audience needs it and not just because you want to change. Um, Cause I think that's where we get lost. That's where we see the drop off is like, well, I wanted to do this, but literally nobody in your audience wanted you to do that. And now you're just done. And so um, things like that, but also embracing who you are and, and understanding the reason why behind any type of change or whatever you need to go through. You know, if I can explain my way out of a change, then I don't care that people think I'm crazy. I really don't. Like I literally doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, um, I had, oh my gosh, my first like five years of business, my business name changed 10,000 times, but nobody was watching back then, right? Like nobody cared. It just was that I would just like, I was a web design company, but I would like literally change my name every other day. Um, and one time I was at, where was I at? I forget, but I ran into a guy that I go to high school or I went to high school with. And he was like, what's your business name today? <laughs> I was like, okay, obviously somebody's watching. But because I would change it, not thinking anybody even cared, you know. But it's one of those, you have to be comfortable with who you are. You have to be comfortable with your mission and understand your mission. And your mission can change. The businesses we start today are not going to be the businesses we end up with in 30 years. They never will be. Ask anybody. Never will be. That is not a thing. And so being okay with riding the waves as they come and as they go is really important. And, you know, when you're small, you can do that more. You know, when you have a, you have the luxury, like it's almost a luxury sometimes to have a small channel and a small following because you have the luxury to just throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks and see if you enjoy what sticks and then an audience enjoy what sticks. And now you have the perfect formula. I love that. And I think that it's important that like, you don't have to know. It's sort of like people expect you to know what you want to be when you grow up, when you leave high school, right? right? This kind of feels like that. Like you can get on YouTube and not know like what the path looks like. You might know what you're good at. You yeah. might know it like have an idea of like where you want to go, but sometimes 
you know, when you thought you were gonna make videos about websites, instead you found yourself making videos about how to make YouTube videos to put on that website to grow your business. Like it's just these different funnels and like the, the thought process and the funnel makes sense. And I think that it'd probably be really fun to probably talk to one of your people who was like been following you from like the OG, like but like thousand subscriber days yeah. to where you are now. It's always fun to talk to people like that. They're like, yeah. I don't remember when you had this. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, for me, and, and for me, I I recently relived all this because I wrote my book. And mm-hmm. um, uh, my business used to be called Pink Media. Like it was like a multi, like a full, like digital like thing. And it wasn't the people literally in my town because I left Phoenix, military life and came back. And people would be like, oh, this is Desiree from Peak Media. Well, well, what is it now? Like, it's like really like they've known me for like the 10, yeah. 11, 12 years of this entrepreneur journey. It's really funny. But it's like when you can reflect and think about how much it's changed, there's so much that you learn and there's so much that you can reflect on. And then you can like hopefully help other people not make those mistakes mm-hmm. or also like relate to them through their struggle, which I think so many people forget to do. Yeah. Especially in our industry. And you don't realize either that people are either paying attention or not paying attention, right? Like you think that everybody's like, what's she doing? What's what's happening over there? What's going on? You know, and some people are right. And then some people will forget about you and come back to you in two years. Like it, it's, it's all this like cyclical journey and we can't take ourselves so serious that we're afraid to just like, not do what we need to be doing. You know, I mean, I, I got, we get emails literally probably once a month at least, but got one the other day from somebody local who was like, Hey, we need a website. Do you still do web design? I haven't done web design since 2016. (laughs) It's been five years. And so, you know, people are not paying that much attention. They are, but they're not. And Mm -hmm. Um, you know, here locally, my industry is weird. Right. And so people don't understand what I do. So, and I get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just not taking ourselves too seriously and, and being okay with the change and the ebbs and the flows and knowing that it's like, you can figure it out as you go. You can build that airplane on the way down. Like it doesn't have to be that you know how to you know, how to do it from the beginning. And you're totally right. I mean, my first web, my first um, videos were all about web design, like all about like WordPress and things like that. And then it was eventually like, well, how did you do that one thing on that random software? And so then it turned into tech. And so then people would be like, how are you growing on YouTube? And then it like snowballed from there. And so I always go where my audience steers me and and I think that's important. That's why we see people like, for instance, Amy, Amy Landino, Amy Schmittauer, um, used to be. But, you know, we I, I remember when she took off at like 50,000 subscribers for a video that literally had nothing to do with the rest of her channel. You know, and if, if we've seen, have you had her on the podcast? Yeah, she was guest 10. Yeah, I knew she was early on. I couldn't remember, but um, she may have talked about this, but like she was an interesting one to watch from like a bird's eye view because she literally taught, you know, um, editing. Yeah, social media, editing, YouTube tips here and there, like all of this stuff. And then she has like one or two viral videos about how to wake up at 5 a.m. And all of a sudden, like she gains 100,000 subscribers. And now 
she has a hundred thousand subscribers who came for mindset and those types of things. And she has 50,000 that came over the last several years talking about social media. So she just is like, you know what, I'm going to flip the switch. And I think she says she did, did it on purpose, which is perfect. Um, and you can definitely do that. And it, cause you can get tired of what you're doing. You know, you can yeah, get tired and be like, I don't do this anymore. A YouTube channel is like every person. So it's like create for people. You're a person. You are a person. Yeah. You are allowed to change. You are allowed to grow. You are allowed to have something happen in your life that makes you a different person. We as women experience that hardcore around having kids. It's a literal physical chemical change in our existence. Yeah. Like if anyone's going to be able to ebb and flow, it's going to be us ladies through this whole process. And we're allowed to change. And like, if this is the podcast or the video you needed to see to give permission, just and I are giving it to you. It's okay. You can change. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, look, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine? Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really want to dive in more and get started for free, please head over to the womenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. So I would like to touch on something um, about our industry. So you and I have talked at great lengths about um, our industry and representation. Mm -hmm. I think that this makes a lot of sense because a lot of the YouTube educators in our space are definitely men and they do a fantastic job. And I know that you and I have both learned a great deal from them. At the same time, we do run into an issue where everyone kind of, it feels some days like people forget that women can teach people about YouTube too and that we're here as well. And there seems to be a lot of chatter and unnecessary thinking around the idea. It's like, well, it shouldn't matter if you're a woman. It should be that if you're the most qualified for it, then that should earn you a seat at the table. But at the same time, that to me sounds like constipated male thinking. Sure. Because like, if, if it wasn't for the fact that we were qualified, we would not have a pay gap. We would not have a, a, a representation gap in almost every single vertical. And I'm sure that you could argue back that men, yes, men do get you know, cat called and stuff on their YouTube channel. They get criticized for how they look and all these kinds of things. But overall, they tend to lead the way in these things. I'd love for you to share with us your experience and thoughts around this idea about representation and um, if you are unimaginably qualified to teach you about a YouTube education, but yet that you get, you miss out on opportunities to men with higher numbers or different perspectives, or they're so mundanely focused that they've been able to grow to certain spots. Like talk to us about your journey as a female creator and educator in that space. Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna disagree a little here. Okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, and I have seen, I have, I have, yes, stay on the screen. I feel like I need like facial cues. Um, so, I've seen this conversation. I've seen this conversation over and over and over in, in every industry. Mm -hmm. It's always a thing, right? But the YouTube 
industry is a sausage fest. That's all there is to it. It is. It's all men. And or it was, you know, when I came into it, it definitely was. And it's I, I see this conversation happening and I respect it. It's not been my experience. Okay. It's not been my experience. I personally was open, welcomed with open arms wholeheartedly by the dude tubers wholeheartedly. Like when <laughs> the dude tubers, when I came in to the market, um, I mean, I literally was asked to speak at conferences with very few subscribers. Um, because they enjoyed the way I spoke, the way I taught, the way I presented information. I was on stages with people like Roberto Blake or, um, you know, whoever else, right, at the time. But when they would have these massive numbers, and I was here with like 20, 30,000 subscribers, and um, I've been asked to speak at Vid Summit. Like I've I've spoken every year at a conference called VidFest, which is partnered with PodFest. Um, Chris Kremitzos is amazing. All of that has come to me regardless of who what the guys are doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that has not been my experience. And that doesn't, I'm not discounting that. It's just not been my experience. I feel like I've been able to stand up and be like, I'm an expert in this. You should, you should talk to me. And people just see that. Um, also, I should also say, and I think this has helped me a ton and I'll be, I'm being as candid as I know how to be here. Um, I have always been like when I was in high school, I sat at lunch with a table full of guys. I was like the guy's girl. I I was captain of the cheerleading squad. So I was still a girl girl too, but I always like, I always gravitated to groups of guys as like my group of friends. Right. And my best friends were girls, but like, you know, and that's how I still am. And so I think it was really easy for me to walk into a sausage fest and make my own path. You know, um, I think it was easy for me to make friendships. I mean, Tim Schmoyer, Sean Cannell, um, Jeremy Vest, these are all like very good friends, like literal friends of mine. We text back and forth. We are good friends, you know, and Mm -hmm. have been since I was tiny, teeny tiny. And I mean, I met Tim, Jeremy and Daryl when I had a thousand subscribers. And um, I mean, it has just been nothing but amazing since. And so I don't discount that it happens and I don't discount that that's a true real thing and that there is a gap absolutely there. I have not seen it personally. I have absolutely always felt like I've been included, um, that I have been asked based on my merit. Um, I was asked one time to speak at a conference and the literal ask was, Hey, I'm doing this conference and, you know, I need some more YouTube speakers. And since you're a woman, I'd love to have you. And to me, I'll be honest, it feels icky to me. I don't want an opportunity because I have a vagina. I really don't. I want an opportunity because I'm good at what I do. And so um, I think I I think I ride a line there because it's hard for me to be like, I think women, just because we're women, we should we should stand up and yell, you know, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes the, the, the like content is not good. Sometimes the qualifications are not there. And just because we're women doesn't mean we should get an opportunity because we have a vagina if we're not good at what we do. Just the same as men, right? And so, 
Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to stand on that one a little bit more because I, I don't disagree with you at all. Cause I'm with you too. Like I, I was that same girl. All of my friends were men when I was younger. I probably actually didn't start gravitating to female relationships in the way that I have now until motherhood. And I yeah. think that I was a lot of it was too. I was not only was it motherhood, but also I was in a town full of stay at home moms. And so that yeah. was like how like that spawned. I realized, Oh, Hey, women can be great friends too. That's really cool. And yeah. um, that wasn't my experience either. So you and I have that in common. I just think that it's very interesting that some people who are qualified feel that they're not being able to get opportunities because of their gender and their role. I think that, I think that the point of it is a combination. Like if someone is qualified, if you can find a, a, a list of people who are qualified to do whatever it is, whether it's a speaking gig, whether it's um, a, a company thing, whatever like this, the public situation should be. I think the biggest thing, if you can find enough people who are qualified, just make sure that whatever you're doing is diverse. So that equal yeah, that you have diversity there. That. because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of the same conversations can be said like, okay, yeah, but where are your people of color? Where are your, you know, biopic people? Like, and so it's like that kind of thing. And it's a very interesting conversation. I truly believe 2021 is like the year of the woman, like with like administration in place that's going through, I think with like the attention that we're getting, I think that it's going to be really great. And I hope that things that are supposed that tend to have a very heavy male, representation or they tend to be the leaders will get more women and more diversity in them. Like I think one of the yeah. industries that makes me a little crazy that I don't find a lot of people to watch is the like videography mm -hmm. vertical. Like we've got, you know, Casey and we've got Pete and we've got, you know, all of the people that come from them. It's all like yeah. millions of subscribers and stuff. And it's like, where besides Sarah DG, Mm-hmm. Who else do we have that we right, get? But like part of that too is that nobody's stepping into that. Exactly. Like, and that's the other thing. Like how I, do we yeah. get to step in and, and own that, that mm -hmm. piece of it? And I agree. Why, why do you think that women are not stepping up and stepping in to the roles to be the representation someone needs? Yeah. I think it's really funny because I think this is a difference in men and women too. It's especially that industry, right? Like the videography industry, like, you get in a chat with a bunch of men YouTubers and they're like, yeah, I had like the ISO was like this. And then I had the, like the cable and the HG and women generally are like, I just need to get the job done. Like I don't need to, yeah. Like I don't need the best camera. I don't need the best mic. I don't need the best this. I need to get the job done and I need it to look okay. You know? And so I think, I think men pay attention more to like things that, I personally don't think matter that much, you know? And I think that, that <laughs> I think that that's why a lot of times in like that industry for, I agree with you because I've tried to find women in that industry as well. Like they're just not there. And what I'm looking for very simply I'm looking for a woman YouTube ad expert. Oh I yes. Find one. Yes. And it's, it's really like, I think it's a matter of, 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 you know, if you're listening and you're a woman in an industry that there is not a lot of representation, then you need to raise your hand. You mm -hmm. know, I, I think a lot of it is the women aren't stepping up to do it and not for any other reason than they're just not like they're just haven't done it. And two, going back to like the original point, I think sometimes too, with the like diversification, I agree. I think if you're looking at, you know, Hey, we're going to have 10 speakers then you need to be really conscious of the fact that you're going to diversify that lineup. 
whether that's diversified by gender, diversified by race, like however you're diversifying the lineup, right? Um, I think some people, but but also, let me let me put a but there, but also so much of the industries, every industry is built on relationships. And so it's a matter of getting in the room with these people. It's a matter of getting there and building those relationships. And so a lot of times when I'm like, oh, you know, this person didn't get to speak there or whatever, but they don't have a personal relationship with the person hosting the conference. Almost every conference I've ever spoken at, I've had a personal relationship with the person who either books the talent or owns the conference. And that's because I have done the work to go to these conferences and build relationships. And so I think a really good, um, like right now, okay, so let me back up. It's, it can be hard to build those relationships <laughs> because you're, you're competing, right? And, and, and you can be trying to say, I want to build a relationship with this person because, you know, I, I enjoy them, but also because, I want to build that relationship because it's beneficial to me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're surrounded by 20 other people who also want to build that relationship. And so it can be really hard. Yes. Um, and so we have to figure out a pathway to that that isn't hard or is our best pathway. And, you know, every time a new social media platform pops up, we have that opportunity again, especially when those people are the ones using that platform. And so for instance, like right now with Clubhouse, I mean, I haven't, I got an opportunity that I have been chasing for four years. I can't say what it is, um, <laughs> but literally been trying to get, get in the room with people, build relationships with, get the authority, trying to get for four years. And I got it because I popped into two Clubhouse rooms and asked a question. And so it's, you know, like it's, it, it's not always linear. And sometimes we have to remember that businesses are built off relationships. That's just the point blank point of it. And I think, you know, we forget that. Like we, we automatically assume that everybody's going to notice us when we start putting content on the internet. And that's not the case. You know, if so, if you want to speak at a conference, you can't know for a fact that the person who is putting together the conference has seen you. Like, even if they have seen you and you know you've been in the room with them, there were 20 other people there, right? And and you they may not have seen you. And so a mat, it's a matter of stepping in and being like, I'm building this relationship. I'm going to figure out a way there. And um, I'm going to get them to notice how awesome I am. And by the way, the opportunity I got is to speak about YouTube on a large platform as a woman. And not because I'm a woman, because I'm good at what I do. Yeah. And I think that that's important. I think that people do forget YouTube is digital and virtual and it's like kind of sometimes feels like a one-way conversation, but it is about building relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys who are listening, even you, Jessica, I feel like sometimes I will watch someone so much mm -hmm. and consume so much of their content. I feel like I know them. <laughs> yeah. And then like I have, if I ever have an opportunity, because it's only happened to me a couple of times, I thought if I ever have an opportunity to meet someone, I have to literally have a conversation with myself and remember they don't know anything about you or what they know about you is based on these sets of conversations you've had versus you <laughs> vast amounts of their content. And therefore like, you know more about them than they know about you. And it kind of feels weird and stalkery and super yeah. creepy. And, and, that, and so I always try to remember that when I'm in situations and, and things like that from both sides of it. Yeah. And so it's still, it's a, it's a form of relationship building. And so you have to remember 
when you're on YouTube. Not only are you building relationships with people who are like, for them, it's a one-way relationship. Like mm-hmm. they're knowing a lot about you and you're knowing very little about them. But also the other way around, you have to build relationships with people to help grow your business and grow who you are. YouTube is not just about trying on the camera and waiting for money to turn to roll in. Like it doesn't work that way. There's a lot more that goes into it, even outside of algorithms and niching and all that kind of stuff. It's really important to remember that. Yeah. And I think it is weird. You know, it's weird from both angles. Cause I'm like you, I've done it on both sides. I've been the person who somebody's running up to and being like, Hey, did you ever figure out blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, where did they even, how did they, how does this random person who's running up to me in an airport, um, know about my dog or, you know, like whatever it is. Right. And, and I have to have that moment with myself to be like, oh, okay. They watch me on social media. It is not weird. It's okay. Um, but then also I've done the same thing. And so it's, yeah, it, it is, it's really interesting. And it is all about relationships and you should want the people on the other end to feel like they know you. You absolutely should because they, that's going to keep them coming back every week, you know? And I will say that a lot of the opportunities I had and still have to this day, um, especially in my early years when I, you know, quote unquote was a nobody in this industry. And I was not, I didn't have the numbers behind my name that a lot of people had was all from relationships. So, you know, example, Chris Kremitzos, he runs PodFest, which is like one of the largest podcasting conferences um, in the world. I'm speaking at it like next month virtually. Um, but he also couples that with a conference called VidFest. I had never even heard about that conference. I had never even heard of that conference. I randomly at Social Media Marketing World went to an after party because when I am at a conference, my job is to I'm at a conference. <laughs> like I am there to meet people. I'm not there to learn. I'm not there to go to the sessions. I am there to meet people and and build relationships. And that is what like my job is when I'm at a conference. And it's not aggressive. And I don't try and do it in a way where it feels inauthentic. And I don't build like just go build relationships with people that I don't even have a connection with. Cause I think that's very you know, off-putting. But anyway, if I get invited to an after party, I'm going. Or like, you know, if I have a friend who's like, hey, I'm going to this after party. You want to go with me? I'm like, yes. Well, I just randomly ended up in a conversation with Chris Kremitzos, who runs this massive conference. I would have never known him otherwise. And literally, I think I had like 15,000 subscribers when I met him. And, but yet he was like, I love the way you talk about YouTube. Will you come chat at my conference? I'd love to have you. So we get in our heads too, as far as like, why is nobody noticing me? Why, why, why is this effort that I'm doing not being noticed or whatever? And it really comes down. It comes down to who you know and your relationships. And that's really what it comes down to in every single industry there is. You know, I mean, the Kardashians, you know, it's no, it's no uh, secret or, or coincidence that Kim Kardashian was Paris Hilton's personal assistant. Do you not think that was on purpose? Like she was like, Hey, I want to be like her. I'm going to go hang out with her for a minute. And, and we discount that we discount that. And we discount the fact that like that's how, that's how this stuff is built. That's how these conferences are put together. 
Yeah. You know, so if we want to be in the room, we got to put ourselves in the room. Yeah. And in order to get yourself in that room too, and, and have let us in, you have to prove like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about, which is when we circle back into like how YouTube can be that for you. Yeah. And you being able to go to them and say, Oh, I have a thousand subscribers and this many views. And I talk about this vaguely versus like, Nope, I have 20,000 views and I have 1.5 million views on my channel. And I have niched these expertise. And from this, I have built this list and I do these things. Mm-hmm. You should sponsor me. And if you don't sponsor me, I'm going to go talk to your competitor. Like yeah. that gives you a footing to stand on to get their attention and yeah. prove that like it is. One of the things that does suck is that YouTube now, if you're starting now or growing now, is not the same that it was two, right. three, five years ago. You know, there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of different work. And it's still so like underserved by so many people. Like mm-hmm. there's so many people that would have massive success on it. They're just like, no, I don't want to get on camera. No, I don't yeah. want to do that. No, I don't want to put that time and effort into it. No, what I'm doing is working just fine. You know, all of the stupid stuff that we hear people say all the time. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I love what you're saying about relationships. And I think that this comes out of this business. Mm-hmm. When you get on YouTube, you reach a point where it's your business. Like it's whether it's your side hustle or it's like your main gig or that brings you in the new business. Like, you're in the business of people. And I know that we don't do physical people much lately anymore, but there's still a great deal of, of people being involved in, in what we do. And I think it's really important when we've talked about so many good things in this conversation, about like growth and niches and, and pivoting and like our positioning and how to be positioned as an expert and find the people and grow and stuff like this. Do you think that there is room on YouTube for new creators knowing how messy and complicated and whatever it is. Yeah, I do. Um, when I got my silver play button, which I'm sad is not right behind my head right now. I took it to my studio. (laughs) Um, and so it makes me sad every time I see this view, I'm like, no, where'd it go? Um, but when I got my silver play button, I was, I wanted to do a post on Instagram about hitting a hundred thousand subscribers. Right. And so I did some research on how many people actually get there, right? Like how many, the percentage of creators who start a channel and then how, what percentage of them actually get there. And it's like less than 1%. And so that tells me that alone, that one stat tells me that there's a lot of people starting channels and not a lot of people doing like running channels. And so if you can show up again, create good content, Create good content, be helpful, be useful, be entertaining, whatever your industry is, be good at it and get better as you go. Cause all of our first videos suck. <laughs> you know, all of our, I watch, I don't even watch my old videos. Cause I'm like, Oh, that was bad. You know? And like the sound was bad or the, the, the content or me, like I, this is me, right? Like I'm like, I, I talk a thousand miles a minute and I use my hands and I'm like, Bleh. in my first videos, I'm like, like tying my hands behind my back, like literally like, hello. There are a lot of sweater sets. Do what? There's a lot of sweater sets. Yes. And it's like, hello. And like, I don't, I I try not to talk too fast and I try not to talk too Southern because God knows that's not going to be okay. You know, that's also the one thing that sets me apart, you know? So anyway, my point here is do it, create good content and consistently commit to it. I mean, it took me 
I started my channel in 2016. Um, I didn't get serious about it till 2017 and I hit 100K in 2020. So it took me three solid years of like being serious about the platform, you know, doing everything I knew to do, like barreling into the industry to hit 100,000 subscribers. And so, you know, it takes some people six years, eight years, some people six months, right? Like everybody's so different. And you have to be committed. And it's the people who are committed and ride it out to the point where they hit their goals that are gonna have success there. And so if you're brand new and your industry is saturated, who cares? Just be more committed than the other people. That's what's gonna win you the game. I love it. I know you and I could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But <laughs> everybody's like, man, this has been a really long walk or drive. Listen to us. Talk. <laughs> so Jessica, where can people follow you on the YouTubes? Yes. Yeah, so just my name, Jessica Stansberry. Um, and pretty well anywhere you can like Google, Hey Jessica, and you'll find me. HeyJessica.com is my URL, but YouTube, it's just Jessica Stansberry. Yep. And we'll have links to all of her stuff in our show notes. Thank you so much, Jessica, for all of your brilliance and conversation and good times together. I hope that you all have had a really good time, enjoyed our time together, and that you've gotten a lot of value out of this one. Remember, Jessica, you and everyone listening are possibly amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 